Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. I'm Sandy Johnston, host of this podcast, and I am a woman's transformation coach, consultant, and energetic healer. Before we dive into today's show, I just want to mention that I include the top 10 tips and takeaways towards the end of each show to give you prompts to focus on and think about and try to apply in your life when you resonate with the things that are being said. If you are unable to listen to the whole episode for whatever reason, I really recommend you take a quick minute to listen to the top takeaways from each show as this could really help you with the challenges that you may be going through. Okay, now let's get into the show. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. On today's show, I have Richie Kluter, social worker, actor, producer, director, radio presenter, and consultant. He is an all-around powerhouse of a person with a big heart. He helps advocate for gender-based violence and is associated with the Triangle Project, advocating for the LGBT community. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Richie is helping me put together a three-day online workshop to help victims and survivors of gender-based violence reclaim their voice, themselves and their space. With 20 years of experience with creating and running workshops, I am super excited about the work we are doing together to help women heal the thing that they need the most to help them to ask for the help and support that they need and to put those safe boundaries around themselves to give them the space that they need to help and rebuild their lives after abuse. Without further ado, welcome Richie to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. As you know, this podcast is a safe space for women who have been hurt by some form of abuse in a relationship so that they feel supported in the challenges that they face. I can't wait for you to share with the listeners a bit about yourself, your journey and the work that you are doing to advocate against gender-based violence and support women and children. Can you just give us a sense of what the culture of abuse in relationships looks like where you live? Hey, Sandy and everybody that's tuning in and will listen to this. It's such a privilege, first and foremost, to be, to be in this conversation with you. I think it's so important and it makes my heart beat faster and louder. And, you know, if I can scream and shout even that it vibrates everywhere in this world and reach and touch somebody, I, it's, it's such a privilege. So thank you first and foremost for, for having me to talk about something that's so close and so important. And, you know, and, and also the theme the Tihara's Tears and Triumphs theme. It's just, I, I stand in awe of that. And I'm like in the middle of this, in the center of it all now. 
So that's what it feels like being with you in this in this moment. So coming back to your question, um, South Africa has a history um, of one of the worst countries in the world in terms of gender-based violence. We recently had the State of the Nation address two days ago, where the government or the, or the president spoke about the funding that's being made available to support projects and initiatives against gender-based violence, because it's so high, it's so critical. It's, so besides the pandemic, um, I, I've, uh, on my radio show, on interviews, on the newspaper and articles, I've mentioned that gender-based violence does not deserve the same treatment like the pandemic. And it's been a pandemic for ever since I can remember, ever since I was a child. Why doesn't the world stand still? Why doesn't churches close down or police, you know, why don't we wear masks or gloves or whatever? Or why don't we, why doesn't the economy stop? Because our women and children suffer and die all over the world as a result. You know, when I look at in the community where I live, the way women are treated on a daily basis, the way women treat and carry themselves as a result, because they become so accustomed to being abused. They become so used to, so it becomes a norm in a way. And that breaks my heart that it's like, and I question, I'm like, how, how can we tolerate this? How can we be okay with this? How can we still talk about whether gender-based violence is an issue or not, or deserves priority or not? I'm just like, it's not a sideline. It's not, you know, if you look at businesses, they have to give a percentage, they have to give for social upliftment. So, or social projects. And then gender-based violence become one of the 1%, all right, let's give them a 10,000 or 20,000 for this project against gender-based violence. And where I'm thinking women are the heart of any nation. Women are the heart of the household. Women are the heart and pulse and blood of a community. They bear children. I mean, they bring children into this world. For me, I always used to say to my mom, and I think I had a really good role model, my mom, um, also standing and speaking up against it and really being passionate about it. But what I've also learned from her is that she suffered in silence. And as a child, I was so receptive to that. I was, because as a child, you become a sponge, an emotional sponge, where you just soak up um, your parents' or the adults' emotions, even though they think you don't understand, you do. And you just don't have the vocabulary or the language to express what it is you feel inside. So whenever my mom would cry or be unhappy, or, you know, my dad would scold her about something, thankfully, I never grew up in a, you know, in physical where physical abuse, but it's nothing better than emotional abuse. It's nothing better than sexual, whatever, all the different forms, financial abuse. I'm talking, you know, not showing up when you need to. I mean, that's abuse. As a parent, when you don't show up in your child's life, that's, I've seen that as a form of, as abuse. Neglect is abuse. And people don't get to see that. If you don't take care of your child's physical all over well-being, holistic development, that's abuse. Because you cannot just look at development you know, from one angle. And South Africa has 
so two days ago, coming back to the president announced that gender-based violence is getting 128 million rand. I don't even know how much that is, but I think it'll be a drop in the ocean mm -hmm. in terms of what needs to be done mm -hmm. to save a culture, to save, to break a cycle. And it's almost like hereditary because culturally men still think that they are superior to women. Culturally, people exploit the word of God, thinking the man is the head of the house and he's supposed, that doesn't mean you suppress and abuse the, your wife and children. It's not, but it's, it's getting exploited. So women are constantly put, you know, are inferior to men. And it's not the it's not the truth. And so my question is, why do we perpetuate that truth? Why are we continuing believing that? I mean, why do women still have to fight or become feminists? Why? It's based on equality. It's based on oppression. Why do you have to be, you know, because women realize that they have an, a, an equal place in society, in any position in government, in any position in business, you know? We still talk about male dominant um, working environments. <clears throat> the Catholic Church, I'm Catholic. Why, why are they still debating whether women should or shouldn't play a bigger role in church? What is that about? I mean, we're living in the 21st century. We're moving beyond. You know, we are, and I'm just like, I, I, I cannot, I cannot as a man understand because I stand for equality. I've always, you know, I grew up in apartheid where we've been oppressed based on the color of our skin, not being black and not being white. So we were caught in the middle. So, you, you know, you were never kind of good enough in the eyes of the other. But, and you constantly had to kind of fight for an equal place. And that for me was just not on. I didn't get that. I'm just like, why? Mm -hmm. You know, I can talk to you. You're a human being. We can, we know, we, we, when we fall, we bleed. When we, when we unhappy, we cry. You do exactly the same. When you're scared, you, you go to your mom or your dad. You need comfort. And so, and I never got that. And my mom kind of instilled that in me as well, where she was like, Richard, we are all equal. And you, you one day probably will go and make a difference. And I just said, I, know, I think I will. I know I will. And today, like you said, I'm a social worker. I'm an advocate for gender-based violence issues. I'm an advocate for, for women and children being oppressed and abused for elderly people, for people that does not have a voice or people that that's kind of forced to being powerless. And yeah, so that's the state of our nation. Um, it's, I think the president emphasis that we need to do something about it two days ago but it takes so much time for me. I'm, and probably I'm intolerant because why does it take so much time to do something? Why can't law just be really fully enforced to protect a woman and children? The other day, a child phoned me. It was 12 o'clock at night. I was in bed asleep and my phone rang. And I saw the woman and they live about six hours from where I live in, in, in a different town. It's the same from where I'm living from Cape Town. And they were visiting the grandparents where I live and the, the grandparent brought the children to me because of gender-based violence issues at home. And unfortunately, nothing's changed. No intervention took place. I made the referral because I'm a private 
consultant and social worker. So I do work immediately. I react and respond immediately. But the department or government does not. It takes time. They take time and they don't see the urgency. They don't respond to it proactively and urgently enough. So I phoned the police or the mother and the child, the boy that I served and supported answered the phone. And I was like, why do you answer your mom's phone? And I'm like, where's your mom? And he said, I'm standing next to her. But she was so debilitated. She was so powerless that the boy who's seven years old answered the phone. And he just said, Uncle Richard, I don't want to be here. I don't feel, you know, I'm, I'm scared. And mommy and daddy wants to kill mommy. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The police officer was there in the same house. And I was like, okay, so the police is there. And I said, give the phone to the police officer. And I spoke to the police officer and I was like, what, what's happening? You are there. And no, we're talking to the husband. I'm like, why are you talking to him? I, I don't understand. He, he's drunk. So he said, he's drunk. I said, exactly. He's drunk. Um, take him out of the house. He's the perpetrator. He's the one wanting to stab the wife. He's the one causing the conflict and anxiety and the stress. That's why you're there. Why are you entertaining this conversation? And then he said to me, I, I have to speak to my supervisor first. Uh, it made me numb. Uh, it made me feel powerless. Now imagine the woman and the child in that situation. I couldn't get there to do anything. I felt angry and frustrated. How can a police officer that's supposed to protect a woman and child, according to our law, according to our constitution, you know, Act 152A, you know, 1521A stipulates if you are a threat, if you, you know, cause the, the conflict in the house, you must be removed. And I'm just like, don't you, that's the act. You should have immediately removed that man, regardless. You shouldn't take the woman and the child and make them run at night. Why should they run for their lives, for safety? Remove the perpetrator. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really, because it happened in the space of this past couple of days, all of this. So I'm, I'm actually really emotional still about it. Um, yeah. Because it takes so much time here. I, I people, don't know if it's just where you are, Richie, or I think that this is a big part of the problem is that justice is not fast enough for to help keep victims safe that you know yeah. they are left incredibly vulnerable because the law yeah. can't step in and intervene you know in such a way that is actually giving victims the level of protection that they need yep. in those moments and very I mean there's so many things that you raised um, as you were speaking and one of those things that just you know alarm bells that went off in my head as I was listening to talk about that um, scenario that you recently tried to intervene in and you know um, get some action to help keep that woman and child safe is that the perpetrator was drinking and you know it's um it's evident that um the risks increase for the victims when drugs and alcohol are involved in the um in the situation and um 
that is just, you know, one of those things that when you are in an abusive relationship, if you think that you can manage the situation when drugs and alcohol are involved, it's a really good time to rethink that um, because it's just not the case. Um, you really have to understand that the role that drugs and alcohol play in blurring a person's better judgment. And so that level of self-control that a person might have if they're not under the influence of drugs and alcohol is gone when drugs and alcohol are part of the equation. And it also becomes part of the repetitive cycle of abuse because once the perpetrator drinks or is under the influence of drugs or alcohol, that wears out and off out of his system. And that's when the apology comes in. And that's where the, you know, the shame and the guilt kicks in. And that's when they want to make amends and give you all the beautiful promises that it won't happen again. And, you know, they cry and they become emotional and they realize that they've, you know, so much damage has been done. And, and then the women and the children fall for it again because they want to see that part of the perpetrator. They want to see that loving, caring, apologetics and steer part and it's not it's the chances i don't know i've never in my 22 years experience working in this field i've, I've never seen that changed you know where the husband would say i'm going to stop or if they don't stop it will happen again if they don't stop the substance abuse it will happen again because that just fuels that underlying emotional inside you know I, I always say yes the perpetrator needs help the perpetrator definitely deserves the help because they damage and they they're broken and they traumatize hence you know they do what they do can i just say and you know feel free to you know add uh to this or give a different opinion if you like but when it comes to behavioral change um I think that it's something that will only be successful if the perpetrator is 100% vested in taking responsibility for that behavioural change. Absolutely. And not on the request of the victim or the law. It must be something from themselves. If it doesn't come from a space of, I need help, I'm the one wanting to change my behaviour, and I'm the one getting better because it's about getting better um, and not just, you know, and it's not something fixed. You can't, you can't fix it. It's, it's a deep rooted in emotional scar that also because I've worked on the other side, you know, I've worked with the perpetrators most of my life in prison, in the UK, um, you know, back here in the child and youth care center facility. So I've worked with the perpetrators all my life and, if it doesn't come from, from a space of, I really want to, they, they become repeated offenders. They go out and they do worse things and they go out and they get the next target. You know, they are your sociopaths, your psychopaths, your narcissists, your, you know, people that really inflicts, but it's because they are damaged. And if you look at why people are damaged, Sandy, it's, yes, it's environmental factors. It's social factors. It's attachments. It's all the psychosocial and socio-emotional elements that that's not been part of their life so you know they don't they, they haven't yeah so and how do you go back in time to fix that how do you go back in time 
to fix broken attachments, to fix love and empathy filters that doesn't exist in their personality. The chances are it's going to take forever. So they constantly, it's like a recovering alcoholic. You will constantly have to be in a specific program to not to fall back. It's, just, it's exactly the same with that. So That's, a, that's yeah. a fantastic point because, you know, there's, you will have heard, you know, all these promises being made time and time again. This is the last time. I'm so sorry. I will never do this again. You know, these are the sorts of promises and platitudes that you get when the abuser does something to you and then they will come to you full of remorse and they will make promises that no matter what, I'm, you know, determined this is the last time I'll ever do this. I am so sorry. I will never do this again. But if it is only words without actions, then it will lead nowhere positive. It will, the, the cycle will more than likely continue and more than likely worsen. A really great indicator, as Richie said, with somebody who is earnest about that promise that they have made will be diligent in working on themselves and taking full responsibility for who they are and what they do and that it will not just be a just a verbal platitude of I'm sorry and believe me when you've heard this apology a thousand times before yeah and also I think I'm going to speak to the women in this regard I, I do think and everybody in this position understand you come from a space of love because, and that's what I also, you know, my mother taught me that, like, you've made a commitment in front of God when you got married, or you, you pledge a commitment to a relationship um, to a guy or a girl. And so it's an honoring of words. It's, it's a commitment of feeling and thoughts and behavior. So, and then you become accustomed to that relationship, become used to it and love grows. It's supposed to grow. You don't just love but in somebody and it stops. So that love grows and it becomes intensified. And you give yourself body, mind, and soul over to that or connect with that person. So, and that's that's the trap when it comes to gender-based violence or any form of abuse. And when perpetrators show remorse and repeated, you know, abusing them because a woman and a child comes from a space of love and they want to give you a chance because they're not cold-hearted, they're not the narcissist, they want to care, they want to fix, they want to help and support. But in the process. They are getting more damaged, more hurt, more, you know, um, oppressed in that sense. So it becomes deeper and darker. And it's like you disappear at some point in your life. You, 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 you disappear for yourself and even your children. And even though you, you exist, you're alive. But it's like a walking dead and pretending people can't see. You're so right. It's like, you know, you ask yourself questions like, where am I? Who am I? You know, because you've just lost yourself in completely in that relationship. So So as much, yeah. No, go ahead, please. I just wanted to say, so as much as it needs to come from the perpetrator to say, yes, I want to, 
the opposite is exactly the same. It must come from the child or the women or the men that's being abused, mm. gender-based violence. So it's it needs to come from you. You cannot fix somebody else. You mm. can start by fixing you. Yes. You can start by looking inside and say, I need help. I need to get out. I need to do something about this and not lying to yourself. It's exactly the same principles that's happening on the opposite side. If you don't mean it, you know, if you if it, if it does if it doesn't come from an earnest space in your life, I mean, you will constantly go back to that trauma. You will constantly go back to that abuse because your word doesn't mean anything to you. So as much as, yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. It's that the opposite 100%, 100% of- 100% Richie, and because really, you know, we need to turn up for ourselves every single yes. day and we need to say, I want to put my time and I want to put my energy into healing myself and healing my life and that's when when you start doing working on your own inner transformation that's when your external world starts to change and your external world starts to improve and things in your life start to improve it starts with the internal work you need to and as much as painful as it is and that was really interesting where you were talking very early on about the different forms of abuse and the thing is with physical abuse is that physical abuse is apparent to the eye you can see it so there's no mistaking that right that you know you've been injured and somebody else has injured you however physical wounds will heal over time and you know you can see that healing and that's all good but what you can't see is you can't see all those internal wounds that are going on inside of you and they it's not just you know psychologically like these things these traumas get embedded in our muscle memory and they just you know they get really embedded in our fiber and we really need to turn inward and start finding those hurts within us and tending to them so it's funny because I've just actually recorded another episode which is just on this topic and it is all about putting your focus and your energy into your own healing and taking your focus and energy away from the narcissist and you know and all the damage but you're working on yourself and this is where the transformation will start in your life and you won't keep going back to those same same patterns and the same attracting the same sorts of people into your life so yeah that's a really really interesting point that you've made Richie but you've got like a wealth of experience you know which is really makes this conversation just so valuable and um and gives so many insights and I'm really really you know sorry to hear that there are so many struggles going on in your country and I you know I'm glad to hear that there are funds being um, apportioned to this this much needed issue Mm. and to try and improve things and I think 
the thing that governments really need to do is just keep on that path of continuing to improve the situation and working on refining the things that are already in place because it's like everything in life you live and learn and as we go along we can see what works and we see you know what hasn't worked and we you know I think if governments can listen to people like yourself Richie who have been working you know day to day dealing with the victims and that you have experience dealing with the perpetrators and you have a very good picture of both sides of what is needed because when you talk about um, support for women and children it's also important to change the attitudes that are in society that men have that these things need to be changed on a level where you see that the the youth are being educated and re-educated about these things to know that these kinds of behaviors are inappropriate and that they need to change the way that they behave towards women they need to have respect equal respect for women and treat them as equals yeah yes no, absolutely it's it's just and it goes you know it, it bogs me and it blows my mind that that cannot be a standard normal conversation in the house that yes we are all equal yes men and women it doesn't mean and it doesn't mean anything bad it doesn't mean that men will be stripped away from them manliness or women will be stripped away from you know the womanness or uh, that's the word what's the word you know the masculinity and femininity it's not a competition um, it's not a competition <laughs> it is so not a competition show up equally with respect it's values at the moment i have respect it's a value you need to impart like you know and, and the way we socialize each other, the way that women can be seen as strong. Why does women have to be seen as weak based on their physicality, based on how they, you know, appear? Yes, they have more emotional, more in tune kind of, because they need to nurture. It's part of their makeup to breastfeed and, you know, to care and the baby, for care for the baby, that sense, because the baby can't speak and become a, an adult. So that's the nature of a, of a woman. I mean, how powerful is that? It's not even a man. A man can't even do that. I mean, just that in itself, if you get still and you meditate on it for a bit, imagine how powerful that is, where a woman can breastfeed a baby and carry it in her womb for nine months or for however long um, and bring the child into this world and form that bond. I, I think it's so close to godliness. That's what I... That's how I feel whenever I speak to women and parents in general. Even, you know, I said, treat your women as a goddess because she is the closest thing to God. She's the one that comforts and nurtures and loves and unconditionally show up when you need it most. And it never changes, even as an adult. As an adult, you want and that crave that unconditional love. You want to go into that space of when you feel unsafe, because at time, adults feel unsafe most of the time because it's such a cruel and harsh world that we live in and it's so competitive and ruthless. So I constantly want to revert back into a space of just feeling safe with my mom and my dad where the world was uncomplicated and, mm. and that's what you want to do. So, and I think if we all can just, you know, 
feel it that way. I, I, imagine the world that we're going to live in. Imagine a household where mom and dad will sit and talk about how we feel and, you know, how we manage ourselves, because that's how you impart the knowledge to your children equally. You know, talk about relationships, talk about status, um, you know, and what does that mean? Um, I remember, I, I mean, I, I remember as a child growing up, as a twin, I was the more, the, more the emotional one, more sensitive, I would say. My twin brother was more out there and playing and can't, I don't know, he was just, we were just different. And there was nothing wrong, but it became something wrong because people started to compare us. And my dad wondered, like, why are you like this? You know, like, why are you so emotional? So, you know, whenever he raises his voice or whenever he would, I never got a beating or scolding from them, but still, even just the mere fact that you yell at me or, and you couldn't talk to me, upset me. And I was just like, but that's not how you should speak to somebody. And as a child, I knew that. And I even told my dad, like, I don't like the way you speak to me. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't make me feel good. And then he would just like, oh man, just toughen up. Just, you know, become a boy. That type of old school way of, and I remember I told him growing up, I was, I was just like, no, 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 not anymore. You know, that is wrong. That is, that is so wrong. You know, because you you made me believe that I was not allowed to feel my most, that I was not allowed to, 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 to express what I feel. And I just reclaimed that power, you know, and I had that conversation with him. And I said, I want you to be mindful and careful not to do that with other people. Don't, don't ever make anybody feel that they can't say and express what they feel and think, because it's just listening. You don't have to do anything. Just listen and show up. Show up with a sincere and honest, authentic heart, like I'm here for you. And even though I can't, if I can't do anything for you, I will make sure that somebody else will, or I will refer you to somebody who can. Um, so it's really for me getting back to the basics and it's the basic of self-respect. It's the basic of love. It's the basic of listen to understand. It's the basic of understanding your personal values, what's important to you. If you say my family, my children's important, then stand up, you know, stand up for yourself, stand up for your child, stand up for your life and do not let anybody, not even government, not really anybody, don't let anybody take that away from you. Your dignity is your own. Nobody can take that away from you unless you give it away, unless you just let it go. Nobody can force, you know, just take it away from you. I think for for victims of abuse, I think there's a remembering that's needed. It's it's like an awakening. It's just remembering the whole person that you yeah. were before the damage started, and know that your worth never changed. It doesn't matter, you know, who has done what to you through your life. And some of the pains have prob probably started in childhood that, Absolutely. you know, you, you are a whole person. You're still a whole person and you just need to remember that your value is you're no less valuable than anybody else. You know, you are just as valuable as other people. 
just because certain things have happened to you in your life doesn't change that value and you just need to start loving yourself again and that's the first you know I, I sort of I've come to this you know realization through what I've been through that the most important relationship that I'll ever have in my life is the one that I have with myself and I have to get that right and I know when yeah. when I'm getting that relationship right that my other relationships blossom too so and that's why and it, there's a thing where, um, you know, I think women are pretty good at putting themselves down the bottom of the list of priorities because they they want to really, as you say, we're nurturers, and so we serve we serve the people in our lives. We that's that's our joy to do that to to be there for them, to support them, to give to them, and um, and in doing that, when we fall prey to um, perpetrators who are narcissistic or sociopaths and we um, end up being treated like doormats and being walked all over and um, and yeah we just we need to get back to realizing that um, what our value is and that we um you know we deserve we deserve to be treated with love and respect just because we're giving doesn't mean another person is entitled to use us or abuse us absolutely absolutely and it just i've heard the in a conversation last night on one of the online workshops i've attended um and this person or this man just said um crisis if you think about it crisis equals opportunity so the moment you find yourself in a crisis just know that that's the exact moment and opportunity can come out of that if you take the action if you decide if somebody lifts your hand or you know swear at you or threatens you see that it is opportunity to do something not to be, be a victim but to actually take some action mm -hmm. and you will get through this easily yeah. you will stand up for yourself you will get out you will run you will scream you will make them stop you know you will do whatever it is um in that moment so a crisis is not there to 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 actually to pull you down or to to, to oppress you the crisis is there for you to seize the opportunity that's coming your way to do something about that yeah. not to be a victim of it but to rise up to to, to get your inner strength, to tap into your self-love, to tap into your self-worth, to tap into your self-respect, to put clear boundaries. And even and a lot of um, abused people um, doesn't, what's lacking is clear boundaries. And that's, you know, in the course of my work over the years, it's exactly that because you continue to say yes when you should have said no. You continue allowed somebody to overstep your personal boundary and then it's not their fault. It's not about, you know, but do, do you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't become their fault. It, you have to take responsibility for allowing somebody to overstep a personal boundary or to do something to you that you don't even like, you know? So even in your children, in terms of discipline, you have to have boundaries. The moment you don't have a boundary in your house, a clear boundary, your child will become problematic. He will display problematic, troubled behavior because a child's need is to have boundaries and 
routine and structure. And if a child doesn't get that, it disturbs his you know, rhythm and it disturbs his internal desire for structure. And then it becomes because he feels unsafe. And because he feels unsafe, he will act out. And because he acts out, he gets labeled as a troubled child and naughty. And But looking back at the cause of that, there was no clear boundaries. The child felt unsafe in an environment where he wasn't protected, you know? So a boundary is being at home six o'clock because not I say so, because it's for you to be safe. It's for you, for me to take care of you. It's for you to do something else as opposed to being out in the street or enough TV. It's not good for your health. Not because I said so. So it's about understanding and talking about those things, why it's important why it's important to stand up for yourself, why it's important to say no when it's supposed to be no and not to please, why it's important, you know, not to feel, um, what's the word, gullible or so easily influenced by other people, you know, uh, that's and because they exploit. People People do exploit each other, you know, in a lot of ways yeah. as well, yeah. if you are vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, look, you do, you leave yourself vulnerable to be taken advantage of without safe mm -hmm. boundaries around yourself. And just with that point about, you know, about putting boundaries around yourself, um, you know, when you're in um, an abusive relationship and, you know, there are different sort of levels or degrees where you might be on the cycle of abuse, when your safety is at risk, it's not really a good time to negotiate safe boundaries with your perpetrator. That's the time where you need to seek support and um, and get the right sort of supports to help with intervention and help to give you the right level of protection and put those safe boundaries around you so this is a time where you need to get support from the authorities you'll need to get support from the court to um, get uh, protection orders in place to tell the perpetrator that they can't do these things and there'll be a legal consequence if they do it's not the try time to um, to engage in conversation with the perpetrator. Um, Avoid it at all costs. <laughs> it's, it's gone past that point of yeah. that kind of negotiation. So, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And what they do want to do in that moment is they want to talk. They want to, you know, they want to get into your space to dominate you. They, they want, and that's a golden opportunity. And keep you, keep you suppressed. And yes. yeah, keep you basically disempowered and yeah. keep you cornered and feeling trapped and unable to do anything. So, yeah, this that's definitely the time where you need to seek support. Don't yeah. try and go through it on your own. And I always believe they, there's, they, there's, there's always, and I also find that a lot of abuse people um, think whenever I speak to them, it's like, they didn't know who to go to. They they were scared of they you know they they support. It's you having to reach out, even if you go to your neighbor, even if you don't know them. Stop the guy in the street or do you know? There's so much. There's there's there are other professional people in in the community where you live, whether it's a nurse or a police officer or a pre whatever or a social. Their teacher. There will be people that will be able to you know to support you. You mm -hmm. just have to trust. 
trust that instinct inside of you to to go out and seek help. You know, trust that that godly and I, I, it's a godly voice telling you go and do go out and do something. You don't have to feel trapped uh, because our inner voice keep, tells us lots of other stuff. Stay, rather stay. You know, yeah. uh, don't Look, let people I, know. You know. When you're talking about this, Richie, you know, I'm flashing back to that time where I needed to reach out for support, and I know how terrified. Like, not just frightened, I was terrified at that time. And I was terrified, who do I, who do I talk to? You know, when I ask for this support, it's going to increase my risks to my safety, the, you know, which is, that's a very real consideration, but that shouldn't stop you from seeking help because there's, that is the reason why you do need the help because it's gotten to that point where yes. if you do something, your safety is, is still in jeopardy, you know? So I, well, I always emphasize this. I always say your safety is the most important thing. Everything else is secondary. So if it's gotten to that point where your safety is in jeopardy, don't hesitate to reach out for support. You can start with speaking to your doctor or you could start with speaking to a, an online counselling service, many free online counselling services for domestic violence. Um, Richie, you might have some other ideas of where to start with reaching out. I, I, and again, it starts within your house. Have safety. It's like hazards, right? You, you have to have certain safety measures inside your house. And domestic violence or gender-based violence is so real. We cannot pretend that it's not going to happen to us. We, not, we don't know that, you know, it's like sleeping with the enemy. You, you, you didn't marry, you know, a, a narcissist or sociopath or psychopath. You didn't know you fell in love with a person, a beautiful soul. And then it turns out, so in your house, you must have safety um, measures in, in place. And that might be first and foremost, conversations. You start there, cues, like talk to your child, what if this should happen? What, what are the strategies that we need to put in place? What if we are so terrified that we cannot get outside? What can we do inside? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's not just about getting outside. If you are trapped, what, what, you know, what inside of the house can you do to navigate or to manage your safety, to reduce the risk. So if, you, if, if your child's young or whatever, you can say to him, if mom's in danger or, you know, there's the key, there's always have a spare key somewhere, um, you know, or have something like have, even if you throw out the window of, you know, a bus through the window for attention, stuff like that, just, but you need to understand that you have to have a safety plan that starts within the house, whether it's in the living room, in the bathroom, um, or in the kitchen, you know. Um, That's if you a know, great if point. You know, so, and people sometimes forget about those, that real threat, that real element of it starts within the house. And you might think, you know, like you're jinxing yourself or something by having a safety plan. But if you just think about it, like um, like schools have, you know, fire drills in place and, mm -hmm. you know, you, you wouldn't send your, your child off to a school that, you know, didn't have any safety plans in place for emergency evacuations. So why 
wouldn't you have an emergency evacuation plan and a safety plan for you in your own home? So even if you just take the perpetrator out of the equation and just be it, yeah. look at it from that point of view and say, right, well, I just have to be set in case of an emergency. So what do I need? Do I, I need my important documentation? I need to have my license, you know, passports. I need to have things ready on hand, easy for me to grab. I need to have my telephone. I need to have a battery charger for my phone in case my phone dies because your phone is your line of communication with the outside world. And you need to know that you've got your hands on that phone and you need to know yeah. that it's um, that you have got a backup if your phone battery runs low. So these are the sorts of things that you think about. You think about uh, having contact numbers where who are the most important people that I will need to call in case of an emergency. You know, make yes. sure that you let your child know where to access these numbers in case your child needs to call on your behalf. Even it's as simple as your child knowing the emergency service number to call in case there's an emergency and mummy can't Absolutely. use the phone. These are the sorts Absolutely. of things to think about. There's lots and lots of examples of safety plans online for you to do a search and look up safety planning for domestic violence and there'll be tons of examples of safety plans what they look like so don't think that you have to come up with all the original ideas of what goes into a safety plan there are lots of guides out yeah. there to help you every step of the way to help you yeah. to together a safety plan without having to think too much about it and you can go through those lists and see which ones are relevant to you and your home and your situation and the same goes for parents remember you are bringing up children and one day they're going to become men and husbands and fathers that's part of the safety plan ensure that you instill absolute beautiful amazing values in both boys and girls, you know, for them to become the husbands that your daughter or son wants to marry one day, mm -hmm. um, because they're not going to stay in your house forever. They're not going to be your children forever. They're going to become somebody else's husband and wife and partner. So that grooming, that how they will turn out starts at home, mm -hmm. how they will perceive and view other people, how they will perceive women or men in that matter, how they will treat them starts at home. Absolutely. So if, 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 you know, and that's why it's important to when there's abuse in any circumstance, in any house or wherever it happens, it's important for the whole family to go through a process of, of healing, of restoring um, the inner trauma, restoring the, the, the view. Um, because if I, if my dad had to kind of hit my mom or you know abuser and as a boy i'm looking at it guess what's going to happen to me and if nobody restores that i believe that that's how you resolve conflict i i would lash out at my mates because i saw that my father is doing that if my mom and dad is like yelling at each other when they're having a disagreement guess what i'm going to do i'm going to yell and scream because that's what you do when you have a disagreement mm. um, because kids are copycats and they learn behavior in the house. And, that, so that's, another, and that's part of the safety. 
Yeah, and I yeah. was just going to say that's another really good reason to focus on healing yourself because yeah. you know, when you heal yourself, you'll become less reactive. And yes. so those things that, you know, like those anxieties and everything that you're coming out of you because yeah. of the stress that you're under and the trauma that you are going through, you know, when you start healing all of that, you'll become much more grounded and much more calm and level. And, you know, that is what your children are going to see and they'll be able to model their behaviour on that so don't beat yourself up if you've made mistakes because it's you know it's really challenging what you're going through and the emotional um, stresses that you're under when you're in an abusive relationship but know that when you start to work on your own healing that those things can be righted within your children as well because your children will not just know the the person that you were before when you were impacted and affected by all of the trauma and the stress in that relationship, they'll see your recovery and they'll know that that's also possible for them too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, it's about getting back to the conversation, you know, do not avoid it, but get back to the self-love, restoring the whatever needs to be, you know, talk about it, be open about it, be transparent about it. There's no shame. There doesn't have to be shame. I always say, I mean, as a human being, we, it's, it's destined that we'll get hurt and disappointed and in some area of our lives in order for us to understand life, to understand people, to, you know, to navigate through life. So none of us will ever be immune to some form of emotional distress or problems that we're going to face it's just the difference will be how we're going to react to that that's going to determine the better or worse outcome um how we're going to react to the challenges that we're facing challenges it's a normal occurrence in life it's part of our human culture and nature uh, because we're different and we experience life differently and we see things differently and that's, that can cause conflict, but it's how we're going to respond to those challenges that will ultimately make, you know, the lasting difference or the happiness that we desire or the love, because you can rise, like you say, you can put that tiara on again. You can triumph through the tears. You, you, and you will, not even can, you will, because nothing like this will ever last forever. You know, your circumstances will never get you down all of your life. You mm. will find a spot and place and time in your life where you say, it's time to put on my crown again. It's time to tap into my self-worth. It's time to show up for myself before I can even show up for anybody. And imagine that beautiful moment, the moment you step into your life and just own, regardless of how much pain lives inside of you. But just remember that pain and light cannot exist exactly at the same time. So ultimately you have a choice. You have a choice to push away that pain or that darkness and make room for the light to shine. Even if it's a shimmer, even if it's, you know, a glimpse, reach for that little, you know, glimpse of light and um, the silver lining at the end of a dark cloud, reach for that and, and, and know that there's hope. That, that's the message of hope. That's, that's what you have to reach to. Um, yeah, and just imagine, I always say, just imagine. That's beautiful, Richie. I, this conversation, I could continue this conversation for a long, a lot longer, but um, I think we're 
getting to the end of our time now. We'll have to have another conversation another day. I do hope that um, you will come back again and be my guest on the podcast. Please Anytime. say yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to do that all the, throughout the whole year. We can have conversations. Yeah, I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm always available if, you know, and that for me is also because I know people will listen to this and I know we'll make a difference somewhere in the world. Once it's out there, once the spot couch is out there, it, I know it will reach somebody who needs to hear this message. So as long as we can spread the good and the, the hope, why not? Yeah, yeah, very good. Thank you very much. So um, can you just, before we wind up, could you just share any links that um, people can find you if they want to connect with you and talk to you, Richie? Yes, Sandy. Um, I always say Facebook is a good place to start. Um, so Richie, R-I-C, I always say Lionel Richie. Just imagine Lionel Richie. That same spelling, Lionel, nobody can forget Lionel Richie. <laughs> so I'm yeah, kind of, I used to live in his shadow. So it's Richie Kluter. Um, can you pronounce my surname? Kluter. <laughs> there you go. So it's Richie Kluter with a C, C-L-O-E-T-E. -E. Yeah, and you'll find me on Facebook, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, and you'll find me, I've got a website, www.rcconsultancy. .co.za. And I tell um, you what, yes. if you if you can't find Richie from what he's just said, don't despair because I will put all of those links into the episode notes and you can just go to the episode notes and click on the link and it will magically take you to a contact with Richie. Yeah. So now, Richie, for the final question, because this podcast is the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, what does this title mean to you? Oh, it's 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 such a an empowering. It, I don't know. It makes me emotional. Just the title. Just um, it talks about triumph. It talks about being human. It talks about suffering, but also um the hope you know it talks about worth it talks about strength and it it reminds me of pain that was conquered it reminds me of it's it's all like remember jesus had to die on the cross the story of jesus it's like he was suffering and he was bleeding and whilst he was bleeding he had this crown on like yeah. you know and he died but for the best of reasons yeah. for um, in a spiritual world or realm like the story of hope, the story of forgiveness. And through that was the resurrection. Through that was the story of redemption. Um, so the title just speaks all of that to me. It's, it, it's, it speaks about redemption. It speaks about hope. It speaks about, you know, silver lining. Um, but it also speaks the truth about the pain that, we, that we're facing or we, we might endure. And I just think it's such a cool. There must be a book about it and a film, I think. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that, I'd love that. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. <laughs> we I'm can just do saying. that. We can do that. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to leave today's interview with a quote by C.S. Lewis. You can't change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. 
Thank you so much, Richie, for being my guest. I wish you all the very best. And um, yes, I hope all your, your challenges are small ones. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on this, on this show and chatting with you about something that really means and so much to me. And I also know to you, and it's a privilege to be on this journey with you. So thank you for being my camaraderie fighting this cause and helping to save people's lives and showing up for them. Thank you. And I'll speak to you again soon. Very grateful, Richie. Thank you. Bye-bye. I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Richie Clurter today. Now, I just want to run through, I just couldn't squeeze the top 10 takeaways into 10 because there were so many fantastic points. So I'm just going to leave you with the top takeaways for today's episode. Number one, in the cycle of abuse, you will see the perpetrator apologize and make promises never to hurt the victim again. This then makes the victim feel beholden to give the perpetrator another chance. This does not mean the perpetrator will be able to live up to their promise. Number two, behavioural change will only be effective when the perpetrator is completely ready to take responsibility for their behaviour and engage with their program to change daily. Number three, remember you are coming from a space of love and this is the thing that invokes a strong desire for you to stay and try and work things out even when you are being abused. Number four, understand you can't fix someone else, but you can do something to fix yourself and save yourself. Start by looking inside yourself and say, I need help. I need support to help me get away. Number five, your dignity is your own. You are not inferior to your partner or any other person. Number six, your worth has never changed. You are still a whole person. You just need to remember this. Number seven, just because we give of ourselves to others does not entitle other people to use us or abuse us. Number eight, See crises as an opportunity for you to do something to stand up for yourself. Number nine, healthy boundaries are vital to keep you safe and prevent people from taking advantage of you. Number 10, if your safety is at risk, then seek help. Don't try and manage the situation on your own. No matter how scared, confused or ashamed you might feel about your situation, don't suffer alone in silence. This is the time you need help and support from others who can put legal boundaries in place to keep you safe and keep your abuser accountable for the things that they do. Number 11. Have safety measures in place in your home, just as you would have an evacuation plan 
in a school or a business, have one for your home. There are lots of free resources online with suggested safety plans which can help you get prepared for emergencies. Number 12, as a human being, it is destined that you will get hurt and disappointed. So don't hold on to shame for the things you have suffered and think this pain has to exist in your life forever. Number 13, how we respond to the damages we experience will contribute to determining how long you suffer. Number 14, dark and light cannot exist at the same time. Keep reaching for the silver lining of any dark clouds in your life. That's it for today's show. Sending you all my love and lots and lots of light and wishing you well. Stay safe. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel but when I turned a corner in my life the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another and if you need to try another until you have one that is the right fit for you tune in again for the tiara's tears and triumphs podcast helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow hosted by me sandy j this program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. 
I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.